This is the Beyond the Profi podcast, the podcast that empowers you and inspires you to seek career excellence while pursuing your passion. And I'm your host, Jasmine Haley. Welcome to the Beyond the Profi podcast, where we focus on helping our listeners find career satisfaction. I have a special guest with me uh, this evening who I have admired and have been inspired by watching her journey. And I love having um, time to speak with her and to learn about what she does because she's looking at improving career satisfaction on the clinical side of hygiene. Uh, you hear of groups like Trapped in the Op and you hear of so many other hygienists out there who are trying to make a career for themselves outside of the op. But we were trained to be prevention specialists and I love how this particular guest has taken her role as a hygienist very seriously and has expanded the role. So I would like to welcome Siobhan Healy onto the podcast. Hello, everybody. Thank you for calling me special. You know what song came into my mind when you said that? So special, so special, so special. That's yes. how you know you like reggae. So special, so special, so special, so special. I'm going to play that song after you leave. Dance around my apartment. Thank you. Yeah, I'm very happy that uh, you finally have the chance. This is like, took forever for been, us to, have yeah, a, yeah, to yeah, do this. Yeah, although there have been many conversations, uh, phone calls, video chats that we've had that could have definitely been like a podcast episode yeah absolutely absolutely we just had a deep conversation over two martinis and two margaritas don't tell everybody my business okay i don't drink (laughs) i'm under 21 people don't need to know that about me (laughs) actually jasmine was drinking the martinis and i had the water i was a responsible one yeah lies (laughs) i like mint mojitos you know who has the best mojitos there's this salsa place somewhere in D.C., Havana Village, that puts sugar cane in their mojitos. It is so good. I've never heard of Havana Village around here. You can drink it, drink it, live salsa music. So you can eat in the restaurant and like the second and third floor is live music. There's a live band or DJ. And they have the best mojitos I've ever had in my life because they put sugar cane in there. I'm going to have to Google this place. I've lived in D.C. for almost 10 years. It's in Adams Morgan. What's the name of it? Havana Village. Okay. It's like a Cuban place. Because there is a Cuban spot in Adams Morgan that I go to that has great mojitos and a live salsa band, but they don't have three three floors. It's not three floors, huh? No, I wonder no. if it's the same place because no. I've only been there once and yeah. it was one time. But we don't drink, though. Why are we talking about this? I know, exactly. <laughs> I'm not trying to promote alcohol. <laughs> exactly. All right. So I met Miss Healy. No, don't call me that. <laughs> I feel like, like I'm 100 years old when people call me Miss Healy. I met Siobhan two years ago at an ADHA annual conference. We were in a focus group. Mm-hmm. And I noticed her because of the response that she gave and some of the questions that were given. She was very empowered and inspired. Wind up being in the second, the, a class a second time together. And I was like, I want to introduce myself to you this woman. She was stalking me. <laughs> she was stalking me. Um, 
we were stalking each other. I was I there also, first. Yeah. I also wanted to speak to you as well. Oh, really? Well, yeah, that's why yeah. you gave me your information. And yeah. then we wind up going to UYP together, mm-hmm. unleashing your potential. And we've just watched our journey over this time. But what I really like about Siobhan um, is she is a fire woman, as my friend Christy says, because what she's doing in creating this role for dental hygiene in oral surgery it's just so unheard of. I even don't even know what she's talking about. So that's why we have her here <laughs> to talk about that. So why do you think hygienists should be in oral surgery? Because most hygienists, like when you think about hygiene, they most of them are tired of the nine to five or eight to five regular clinical hygiene. They don't feel like they're being used to their full potential. So why would there be even a need for hygienists and oral surgery? Well, the role of the implant care practitioner, it's not about the dental hygienist. It's about this new population of underserved patients, which are the patients with Um, not just complex implant dentistry, but just implant dentistry as a whole. So it, it is a career path that I do, uh, will benefit hygienists in one way because it really do, when I was in oral surgery, even though obviously, um, you know, our scope of practice doesn't allow us to practice independently, but I was practice independently because the surgeon, he didn't bother me. And he wanted somebody to come in there as a professional and take control and all this and that. And I was able to do that. <clears throat> but what inspired me to, um, move forward with this mission was because I, I really felt like now when I was in oral surgery, obviously um, oral surgeons work on a referral basis. So I was in a complete unique situation where I was truly practicing individualized care. And depending on the patient situation, I would spend anywhere from 60 minutes to 90 minutes with a patient. And um, upon my interviewing with the patient, I was realizing that these patients were coming from me, coming to me from referral practices. So for example, I would see a patient on Thursday, right? But on Monday, they may have, they, maybe they were with their hygienist in their periodontal office. And maybe the week before they were with their hygienist in their general practice, had absolutely no idea about how to care for their dental implants. So that's when I realized um, that the education was lacking in the dental profession, but I feel like there's an underserved population. They're not underserved because obviously they can afford implant dentistry, but they don't have access to competent care. So the implant care practitioner is a role that is advocating for this population of of, um, patients with implant dentistry. Interesting. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, you know, I realized I didn't know much when I was talking with Siobhan and I was like, yeah, and the plastic instruments, they don't really, you know, work and all this other stuff. And then she started breaking out, breaking down um, some things to me that I didn't even realize really existed because in dental hygiene school and even when we're teaching in the curriculum, it's, it's very basic. It's very, very basic. So one of the things that I appreciate about what she's um, doing along with her partner, Melissa Obraka is they're trying to elevate our thinking, dental hygienist thinking with, with implants. So where do, where would someone even start as far as, 
understanding that because we don't really have that much time within our clinical time, our clinical care to understand the fundamental basics. Well, what I would what I would like for hygiene students to understand is that your dental hygiene educators are not responsible. There's no way you have two years. Right. And and what they're doing is they're teaching you the basics. But when you take your oath, right, we all take our oath at our at our um, candle ceremony and we promise to advance. Right. We promise to continue our education. So although it's not it's true that hy- the hygiene curriculum in schools It's not there yet, but it is because there are several universities that have implemented things like air polishing. For example, Phone School of Dental Hygiene has implemented it. Uh, Melissa Obratka had played a huge role in implementing air polishing at Bergen Community College, where she's an adjunct instructor. Um, So it's happening, but it's not the responsibility of the of the educators to teach us all. We have to dedicate ourselves to continuing our education. So for clinicians who are interested in this role, you have to advance your education. You have to start going to outside of the box CEs. I was showing up at a lot of conferences where I was the only hygienist. And um, this is because I understand I'm an expert in the maintenance area of, of, of implant dentistry. But the peri-implant diseases are so complicated and implant dentistry has multiple um, components to it, surgical, restorative, and laboratory. And in order to understand um, implant care, you have to first understand the complication and where it came from. And surgical, restorative, and laboratory, I'm not going to learn about those in my hygiene conferences that I go to because that's not those are not areas that that we quote unquote specialize in. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I had to start going outside the box and going to all of these these different conferences where the um, expert clinicians that I was reading in all of my research were actually the people that I was stalking. Like mm-hmm. I was stalking these people and just trying to understand um really just the overall concept of, you know, it's it's more than just maintenance. We have to we have to take responsibility for our roles. This is not something that I feel as though every hygienist has to do, but I feel like if you are a clinician in private practice, you have to be able to recognize when somebody is outside of your needs. Um and you know, that's why we have specialty. That's why we have pediatric offices. That's why we have ortho. That's why we have general. That's why we have perio. Because dental hygienists are, we, there's no one hygiene practitioner who can do, treat all of these different populations because it's specialized and you have to dedicate yourself to really learning from A to Z, um, how to care for this particular pop- population that you serve. Um, did I even answer the question? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think I'm in a whole nother boat. <laughs> but, you know, it, I, get, I appreciate it because I, I have a follow up for you. OK, because I get I get asked this question all the time. Um, how do I become an implant care practitioner? Well, you have to start seeking advanced education and you mm-hmm. you cannot um, put the blame on our hygiene educators. And I feel like that's what a lot of people are doing. Well, we don't learn this in hygiene school. OK. Um, but you have to technology research. Everything is always changing. Absolutely. Technology in dentistry is changing faster than any of us can. 
I know I can't keep up with it. Mm-hmm. Um, so it is, you know, I, I saw, I was in a, a situation where I didn't even understand what was going on when I was in oral surgery. I can't even begin to tell you the kinds of things that I was seeing, but I will, I will tell you that I didn't know what I was doing. Mm -hmm. So if I was going to serve this, this population, I needed to become an expert in what I was doing. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. So that's where my journey began and it never stopped. I have actually, I am an expert. Um, I dive, I dove deep five years ago and, Mm -hmm. and I, I, I never stopped. It just, every year it was getting more intense with everything that I was learning, but something that really, the thing that really sparked, um, me advocating for the implant care practitioner was because, I mean, I think I have heard almost every speaker. And I would take what they would say and I, and I would try to apply it to clinical practice. And it was almost impossible in a traditional setting when you're only given 60 minutes because the standard of care and the different types of um, assessments, it's not the same for natural teeth. Mm-hmm. So we can't do it all in an hour. Mm-hmm. So somebody needs to take responsibility. Um, Peri-implantitis is on the rise. Um, nobody's really to blame for that, but I think that there's there's one way to help. And our profession, we need to extend our maintenance teams um, in order to let's just be supportive of each other. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And really, that's that's what the implant care practitioner is all about. If you don't have time to treat the patient with complex implant dentistry because you only have 30 minutes, first of all, you need to pull your dentist aside and have a conversation, <laughs> okay? Because 30 minutes is just not enough time. But it is your responsibility to get to get that patient into to the proper hands. I really appreciate you bringing that up because I, my next follow up question was. One of the things that I admire about about your journey and watching as you worked with dentists is you're very, very empowered and you will also advocate for your patient, but for yourself. And with a position like this, or you're trying to think outside of the box or think beyond the profi when it comes to clinical care, traditionally you will not see a hygienist in an oral surgeon's office, but you have done it. So my question to you is this, the, the purpose of this is to introduce the listeners, but I do want to talk about some of the qualities that are necessary in order to think outside of the box or think beyond the profi. Okay. So what qualities do you think a hygienist will need to either instill in themselves to prepare them for that next level of clinical care. If they are interested in the path of the implant care practitioner or whatever it may be. Okay. Well, uh, self-respect. First of all, you have to respect yourself. Um, You have to have confidence and courage and you have to be dedicated. See, I was in a conversation with a group of dental hygienists when I was like going you know, I, I was on level 100 when I was talking about teeth scrapers because, like, I, I truly feel that people are going to um, act towards you or treat you a certain way if you allow it. So you have so many hygienists who complain in private practice about they don't have enough time, they don't have the equipment, this, that, and the other. Okay, well, what's complaining going to do for you? So first you have to advocate for yourself. Um, and the person said to me, well, you know what, Siobhan, some people just want to do that. Some hygienists just want to do that. They just want to clean teeth. Well, you know what? That's not their choice because this is healthcare. And, and these are, we have a, first of all, we have a scope of practice 
that we have to um, acknowledge and respect and abide by. Um, and we have a certain, you know, protocols and standards that we have to follow. So it's not the, the hygiene practitioners. They don't have the decision just to be tooth scrapers because these are people's lives that we're dealing with. We all know of the oral systemic link. It's a real deal. So um, I think that that. So you're a firm believer in in there will never be two scrapers where I feel like there will always be two. Scrapers. There will always be teeth scrapers. And I'm not saying that that. It's not okay to be a tooth scraper. You are dealing with people's lives, and we have to honor the oral systemic link. Um, periodontal disease is a serious thing. Implantitis is a serious thing. People die from tooth infections. So it's not a choice to be a tooth scraper. We are, in hygiene school, we are educated to be practitioners. We're educated to be healthcare providers, clinicians. And it's not a nine-to-five job. It's not. Um, but when I... I do, I am an adjunct, um, I'm at Howard two days out of a month right now. They're not allowing me back until I finish my thesis, but when, (laughs) which is a good thing. But when I meet the students, I ask them two things. Who are you and why are you here? And for any of them who say I'm here because of a salary, I truly tell them that, well, you need to pack up your stuff right now and consider switching a major because hygienists, we do make good money, but we work hard and we risk our bodies. We, we risk our, our mental, physical, emotional um, well-being. So it, it's not a nine to five job. You have to be able to really want to serve and take care of people. And it's it's not fair to the patients. Do you think it's possible for a hygienist to be able to work clinical for the long term and be satisfied? Absolutely. I'm very satisfied. Because <laughs> <laughs> so many people don't feel that way. So what do you think the issue is? Why do you think they're not so advocating people? for themselves? They're not standing up for themselves. Why are they not satisfied? Because they're not being treated properly. They also don't know who they are. I think that has to do with um to do I, with that. I think they don't know who they are, meaning they don't know their potential. They don't see their potential. They don't see that they have the ability to um, have the power to make the changes to make themselves happy. Instead, they stay because they're looking for someone else to bring them that happiness. Well, there's there's that. And then there's the the comfort zone that mm-hmm. you address all the time on your Think, Be- Think Beyond the Profi page. And um, in your That's podcast, true. you talk a lot about comfort zone. People are comfortable. That's they true. complain, they complain, they complain, but they don't want to start step out their comfort zone because they have a fear of what can make them uncomfortable. Um, so... I think that's what it is. I mean, people use the excuse of, um, you know, if you're in a situation where you're not being treated properly, um, they can't leave because, you know, they have a mortgage to pay. They have kids to take care of. And I understand that. And I'm not saying that you should leave right then and there in that moment, but work on your plan. Start thinking of a plan. Your, your, your escape plan (laughs) really is what it is. Um, and even then, like when one of the things that I'm working on right now, my coach um, recommended that I that that I create my guiding principles for my life. And those guiding principles not only will govern who I am, but with but it will govern everything else that I create through me. So my business will, will be 
um, governed by those and the people, the staff that I bring into the business will follow those same principles if I set that up as um, something that's important for me and setting those goals. So choosing your guiding principles and then choosing a strategic plan that you follow for that year will give you something really to live for or I guess feel more accomplished and more satisfied with your career. I feel like for the most part, if you're going, if you're doing a chat and polish nine to five, just clinical, go in and out and that's it. That's some where these people like Ugh. some hygienists do that and they're very happy doing that. Well, then there's a different there's that's something different. Mm-hmm. But regardless whether or not you are happy doing that, I'm advocating for the patients. Mm-hmm. My patients come first. Patients come first, the public, mm-hmm. because these are not a patient can be your mom, your dad, my sister, my nephew. I will always put the patient first. I was on a um, a Facebook group and I I almost never comment on stuff because behind the screen, you know, people really allow their egos to take over and that's when they have the confidence to say whatever they want. I, I made a comment in a, uh, it was a dental implant group and it was um, general dentists. I don't know how many other hygienists are in there, but um, there was a thread and, and um, there was one dentist who she was posting um, panoramic fil- films of patients who have had some jacked up dentistry. I mean, just, just horrible. And I had made a comment and I said, you know, it's, it's the responsibility. We have to be honest with our patients. So basically this particular dentist didn't tell the patients that, you know, it it was incorrect what, what the dentist did to you or, um, you know, you were being treated by a dentist that was practicing outside of their skill. Um, all because they wanted to protect the reputation of the dentist. But what about the patient? The patient has the right to know if uh, of, of malpractice. What it, why are we protecting the reputation of, of dentists who are practicing outside of their skills and putting people's lives at risk? Because the research will tell you um, how serious implantitis is. And, you know, like I said, the oral, the oral systemic link is something that I honor. But anyways, a dentist did not like what I said. So he had responded to me and he was a, he, he attacked me because I was a hygienist. And, um, basically I told him, I said, well, um, I'm sorry that you feel that way, but my responsibility is to patient. And I will always be honest with my patients because I put their lives and their well beings first. Mm-hmm. Um, so did he respond back to that? No, he didn't. You know, didn't. it's it's interesting because when I when I have taught and I've taught ethics, I've talked about that with dentistry. It's, we are in a very small community, and I've told them if you've seen anything that is a concern, you never want to state this dentist did it wrong. This is what I'm telling them as an educator. However, you will you need to let the patient know this is an area of concern. You have the right to go back to the dentist because there's an area here that we can't treat. Mm-hmm. You need to go back and have them take a look at that mm-hmm. because I've been in a I told them that there was a situation. This is an ethical dilemma if you're an RDH where I was treating a patient. I was in a working interview for about a week and a half to see if it was going to work out. And the lady came in and I was coming into an office where no perio charts were being done ever. There's a lot of places. Okay. <laughs> a lot of offices. That and we don't do that. I am like 
probing these people and it's just drop, drop, drop. So this is a particular, and I'm telling them about the perio and they're like, nobody's ever told me that before. Exactly. (laughs) So this patient came in, she had a window of dehiscence Mm -hmm. on her mandibular anterior. Mm -hmm. And I said to the uh, doctor at that time, I said, I before he came in, I set the patient up to be referred to perio. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I came in and um, after I came in, told the patient that and everything, then went and got the doctor, the doctor came back. Oh, he was like, oh, it's it's nothing. It's nothing. Now, listeners, you may not remember what a window of dehiscence is. What it is, is, is simply a window. You have your gingiva you have the attached gingiva you have the free gingiva so right in the attached gingiva area and this is below the it's right in the areola process there's a little window where there's gingiva above below and to the left and the right and you can see bone that is not normal mm-hmm. and so the patient looked at me like i was crazy mm-hmm. after i took the time to show her with the mirror and when he left i had to explain to her um, I know that the doctor said, you know, not to worry about it, <laughs> but if you, <laughs> if you are still concerned with this area and it's been here for some time, please get in a second opinion. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If you don't here's, feel comfortable, here's why here's, I couldn't say, Hey, this is not right. No, yes, you can. And here's why you can. Um, a couple of months ago, uh, I was in a CE and the the hygienist who was speaking was talking about how um, there was a situation where there was a hygienist who was working in a practice who was not doing periotarding. Well, you know what? That patient left, went to another practice, was told that they had advanced periodontal disease. What do you think happened? Malpractice, right? So they sued the dentist. What do you think the dentist did? The dentist turned around and sued the dental hygienist. Yes, I've heard of that. So if you remember anything from today, remember that story. And when you're going back and forth deciding on whether or not you need to be honest to this patient or not, remember that story. Mm -hmm. You have your own butt to cover. Mm -hmm. We have our license to protect. We have our scope of practice to protect. I was working with a dentist who um, wasn't in the office when scaling and root planings were being scheduled and wanted me to be administering local anesthesia. Well, guess what? We can't do that in D.C. Mm-hmm. So I'm not going to jeopardize my license for your uh, flexibility or mm-hmm. to convenience you. It's not happening. Absolutely. We have to remember, we work under the supervision, but we have we are our own providers. We're our own practitioners. We have our own scope of practice mm-hmm. that, that we're doing here. Mm-hmm. And we need to take responsibility not only for the patient, right, because it's always the patient first, but for your own license mm-hmm. and, and all the hard work that you put into dental hygiene school. What we taught what we were taught in dental hygiene school matters. And I was lucky enough. I don't know if I would be the hygienist that I am today if I didn't graduate from phone school of dental hygiene, the best dental hygiene school in the entire world, <laughs> the first dental hygiene school in the entire world. But that's what my educators instilled in us. Yeah. You know, the way that I do empower you, the way that I think is I, I just don't I learned through osmosis and I've been lucky enough to have been mentored um, by just the greatest. Mm-hmm. And so that's why who I am who I am. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And so, and that's why I, you know, I've been fired from practices because of my, my, um, taking, taking responsibility for my role and standing my ground and standing up for myself. I don't care. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that the hierarchy in dentistry is upside down. In most practices, it's the dentist, office manager, front desk, dental assistants, and then the hygienist when really it should be the dentist, hygienist, office manager. There's nobody, there's situations where I've been in where uh, dental assistants were trying to tell me what to do. Now, no disrespect to dental assistants, but that's just a perception that some dental professionals have of us. You know, they truly do think that we are teeth scrapers Mm -hmm. and there's only a handful of clinicians that are like me and you and everybody that we're associated with. Um, And it's it's the it's the hygienists who do not. Like I said, people will treat you and behave uh, in a way in which you allow them to. Mm -hmm. Um, My little sister, Nicole Haley, (laughs) who is an incredible clinician out in San Diego was telling me a story how, you know, a dental assistant was um, trying to, you know, control her. And my sister just turned around to her and said, listen, I'm the licensed professional here. I'm the practitioner here. I, I will do it when I said I would do it like I told you to do it. You know what I mean? We just I don't I don't know why we are not being respected as practitioners. We're we are on the same level as the dentist. You know, and we're, we're we're just we're not being treated that way. <laughs> and as I'm talking to you, like as I'm talking to you, it's just like, you know, my mind runs at like a hundred miles per minute, and sometimes it's hard for me. And when I get excited, it's hard for me to um, communicate that because people aren't inside my head. And sometimes I, I really wish that they could be because I am who I am because of what I've gone through. I also am who I am because of um, my educators. And also I came out of hygiene school. I hit the ground running. The first practice that I ever worked in was unique. It was a periodontal office. He had four hygienists, no front desk, one assistant. We, we, we did everything. It was, it was, um, it was truly a unique setting. So as as soon as I came out of hygiene school, I was put in all of these out of the box practices. And Mm -hmm. then when I was a, when I was a dental assistant, um, I was, I started dental assistant at the age of 14. I worked for the same dentist all the way through high school, all the way through college. I was his quote unquote right-hand man. Um, and he was, I didn't realize it at the time, but he was practicing multidisciplinary. He was practicing intra-professional. I was 16 years old and I was a surgical assistant to an oral surgeon, a periodontist, a general dentist, and an endodontist, all in the same practice. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So right off the bat, I was put in these special situations. My very first dental hygienist mentor, Michelle Comedy, um, back in, uh, this is Boston, um, she was exceptional. And, you know, sometimes you go into private practice and there's that whole thing with like, um, office drama and office jealousy where, you know, hygienists are jealous because there's another hygienist who produces more or whatever. Well, 
I saw this woman and I wanted to be just like her. And I told her I wanted to be just like her. And she took me under her wing and uh, she was the lead dental hygienist. It was two different practices. And she worked as a co-therapist with the, with the dentist. And she also was involved in a lot of the decision making that went on in the offices. Mm-hmm. So this, I am who I am because I learned through osmosis. And um, Now, what do you mean by dental hygienists are on the same level as a dentist? You've got to explain because that. we're practitioners. Okay, so we're both pra- we're both providing services. We're providers. Yes, a dentist is a provider. A hygienist is a provider. We mm-hmm. just provide different services. Absolutely, we have our own schedule. Mm-hmm. I think it's hilarious. What, what do you think is preventing? us from working in a collaboratively because we should all if just like the parts of the body my foot does something different my hand does something mm-hmm. different my elbow the board of dentistry the board of dentistry <laughs> is preventing us from working uh, collaboratively i think it's an ego thing you know mm. dentists in some areas are they don't allow us to expand our scope of practice because i mean everybody read the book teeth Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'll just leave it at that. Everybody read the book Teeth. Mm-hmm. At, at the end of the day, I will argue anybody who says dentistry is a business. It's not a business. We made it into a business. It's healthcare. It's people's mm-hmm. lives. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's why I feel some states are really struggling with expanding the scope of practices because dentists are worried about stealing business money. Do you think it will change in our lifetime? Yes. As long as I'm in it, it's already <laughs> changing. That's 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 my mission. That's true. That's it, my mission. it has. It has. Dental hygienists will will be able to practice individualized care, mm-hmm. um, especially with all of the advancements um, in technology. I mm-hmm. mean, it's just you know, the more that we are the more that we are doing, or the more that hygienists are. I mean, look at when I was at your Think Beyond the Profi. Um, probing the death of excellence event, I can't tell you how many hygienists came up to me um, during the break to ask me, you know, they wanted me to say something to them to empower them, right? Because they were in situations where they were only giving 45 minutes Mm -hmm. to the patient, double booked, Mm -hmm. um, this, that, and the other. But there's, there's, I can probably talk to you until you're blue in the face. Um, But it's because it's fearful to stick up for yourself. Mm -hmm. But once you do it, and 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 the the results they can either be positive or negative, but it will be life changing because finally you made that step to to stick up for yourself. And the first time you do, you'll never stop. Mm-hmm. Um, and mm-hmm. that's the way it's been for me. But we have to, we have to, we have to. Things are changing and they will. But I feel like there's we are still outnumbered by by the teeth scrapers or by by the clinicians who um, are just going work in the nine to five and not standing up for themselves. But with everything that we're doing, you know, they want us to do, you know, head, neck and oral cancer screenings. Mm-hmm. They want us to do full perio, uh, perio charting. Mm-hmm. They want us to do, um, uh, you know, camera. They want us to do all these different things, but yet they're not exp- they're not extending our time. Yeah. You cannot do that all in 60 minutes. Absolutely. I was working for a periodontist where, 
we were going head to head. Um, she expected an FMX full perio charting and a, a um, glass shine on the, you know, in the patient's dentition at the end of the appointment. And I told her the more you pack on to my, my schedule, the less time I spend in the patient's mouth because something gets sacrificed. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, that's the therapeutic care. When I'm in the patient's mouth because you're giving me an hour. So it's funny. I, I was I was um, because I do I do temp part time and I was in an office the other day and I re- and I was scheduling the patient for their next visit. And the office gives 50, 60 minute appointments. But when I put the FMX in, it added 15 minutes to the schedule. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. But then we go back in and we have to decrease it to that 60 minute because that's the time that we're allotted. Mm hmm. So the more you the more you give me to do, the less time I don't care if I left a piece of plaque in the patient's mouth. Like what you get, what you see is a result of 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 what I'm what I'm capable of doing Mm -hmm. and the time that you're allowing me to do. If you want me to do better, you need to give me the time to do it. Mm-hmm. You know, and when the pa- the patient, sometimes they ask me, I had a patient ask me, how come um, we don't get perio charting every time? I'm like, because I only have an hour today and today we had to do an FMX. And um, if that is a concern, I suggest that you speak to the doctor about it mm-hmm. or I do oral cancer screenings or head and neck um, once a year. Mm-hmm. Patients ask me, how come once a year? Well, first of all. That is um, the uh, guideline, right, once a year. But I explained to the patient, well, remember when you came last time we took an FMX and the time before that we did perio charting? I can't do all of that in one visit. Mm-hmm. So, unfortunately, I have to sacrifice. Mm-hmm. It's not my choice. And you're not doing the quick oral head, um, oh, head and neck exam. You're doing no. the all the way up yes. the neck, on the forehead, yeah. and occipital I lift nodes, and I all of that. Yeah. And I enjoy doing that. And yeah. I tell patients, listen, I wish I could just sit here and do this all day to you. So, so what made you and Melissa, what made you both grab on this chance to work together with RDH Innovations? Like what answer is RDH Innovations given to helping hygienists reach that next level? So how Melissa and I came to this was because we were actually both in a research course at ADHA because we were trying to learn more about um the 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 protocols and the standard of care because right now research will tell you that there is no protocol or standard of care for dental implants and that's because nobody is um, being brave enough to say you know what well CBCT scanning is the standard of care because this that and the other but anyways um, in the beginning of the course the edu- the instructors had us uh, get up and say a little bit about ourselves so when Melissa got up she talked about how she was here because she's trying to find more education on um, implant dentistry and she talked about how she was practicing for a prosthodontist and, and all of that and then I got up and I said well um, I am an implant care practitioner in oral surgery and then we kind of turned and just looked at each other mm-hmm. and I was like well I have to talk to you and she's like well I want to talk to you that year was when we were doing our um we were given our first presentation. Oh yes. Yes. We gave our first presentations at ADHA. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. Uh the focus groups. And so I was so nervous about that that I left the class early and I didn't get a chance to exchange information with Melissa. Mm. But Melissa had given her contact information to um one of my colleagues who I was taking the course with. 
And then so um, we kind of left it at that. And then I was sitting um, in the plenary, the plenary event where they were doing the award ceremony and mm-hmm. they announced the winner for the Master Clinicians Award. And Melissa walked across the stage and I was like, OK, I was like, that's right. Here's a sign. Um, I need to get in contact with her. So Melissa was very um she was motivated. She she definitely was the one to spark. You know, she sent out the email to me and a few other people and it was like, um, you know, we need to come together. And I was the only one that really responded to her. And I think that was because we were meant to be. Mm-hmm. And um, what's unique about us is that she her um, the, the way she practices is different from I, the way I practice. And that's mm-hmm. because implant dentistry is complicated. And so we're able to come together and really um, give, I mean, it's the full package because, you know, two, two heads are better than one. Mm-hmm. We're better together. <laughs> so what you guys have built is, is pretty awesome. You did a ADHA webinar and then in February you're going to be pre- um, you're going to be presenting a, a revolutionary yes. program. So tell us like how that, how that works, because I mean, the, I'm sure the listeners are like, okay, Siobhan has now got me all fired up, ready to go and so empowered. And I'm interested in doing more so that like, why, why did you create the program that you did with Melissa? Like what, what answer is this program given to clinical hygiene and advancing it? Well, it's more, it's more than, it's more than just giving an answer to clinical hygiene and advancing, advancing it. It's one way to help a problem, which is the rise of peri-implantitis. So that's the first purpose why or what RDH Innovations is here, here to serve. Um, and you can advance your clinical practice in any area of specialty. Um, there's the hygienist, is it Sarah Lawrence? I I don't want to mess up her last name, but I can't think straight right now, but she's doing the whole pediatric dental hygienist. Oh yes. And it's just, yes. Mm -hmm. And it's just advocating for specialty Mm -hmm. because there's a lot of information and we just cannot, we cannot, and it's expertise. You have to have expertise Mm -hmm. and you can't be an expert at everything. Mm -hmm. So we have dental hygiene has come a long way. We have hygienists who work alongside prosthodontists, periodontists, pediatric dentists. There's even situations where hygienists are working with orthodontists. Mm -hmm. So because dental implants are the standard of care for uh, replacing missing teeth. And when it comes to complex cases, most of the time these are seen by oral surgeons. We need dental hygienists to work alongside oral surgeons. Another thing is the oral surgeon will place the implant. And I was having this conversation with Dr. Kazumi the other day. You know, the oral surgeon places the implant, right? And then they don't see the patient until 10 years when the implant is failing. And then who's responsible for that? The oral mm-hmm. surgeon. Mm-hmm. So why can't the oral surgeon work collaboratively with a dental hygienist to maintain his dental implant cases? Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know why people just can't acknowledge when there is a situation where it's outside your clinical skill and you can't meet the patient's need. It's mm-hmm. just not fair to the patient. Right. So um, the implant care practitioner is the answer for those dental hygienists who are in a situation where they're giving 45 minutes appointment or where they don't have the equipment or they don't have the knowledge. All right. So it's the opportunity for the dental hygienist to work 
insurer professionally as a referral source. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, Mr. Patient, you've got this tooth. I don't know, you know, there's implantitis. Unfortunately, I don't have the proper equipment to reach the need, but I'm going to refer you to my colleague, Mm -hmm. the implant care practitioner Mm -hmm. at such and such's office. And then as I mentioned, peri-implantitis is on the rise. A lot Mm -hmm. of that has to do with, I mean, like I said, it's multifactorial, but one thing is inexperience of the clinician. Right. So, And I, I tell you, for me, going to just less than an hour of a course that you did for our students. Yes, that was less than an hour. It was, it was less like than an hour. 30 minutes. <laughs> I, my mind was blown and mm-hmm. I started my career as a dental assistant. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, they did endo, they did surgery. I would, I would be assisting with that. And, and then I go on to be a hygienist and I still didn't know. Um, I won't even say a third, whatever is half of a third of what you were sharing. <laughs> Of what you were sharing. And yeah. so this event that you're putting on with Melissa, Nicole Fortune, who yes. I do want to mention that she was attending the Think Beyond the Profi event from Vermont. She came all the way from Vermont here to Maryland to come to this event. And I'm so glad she did because she connected with you. Mm-hmm. And now you, she's on our team. Yep. Nicole, Jill Grasmick from D.C., who does laser certification. You guys are going to be putting on a program yes, yes. that are going to help hygienists so become implant care practitioners. You did ask me how did it get to that and mm-hmm. why. Sorry. <laughs> Thank you for redirecting me. Okay, so um, I've been like a wild animal. Um, I mentioned earlier about, you know, learning the surgical, restorative, and laboratory aspects of implant dentistry. So I was a wild animal, and I was just attending all these courses. And in Chicago, I attended the um, multidisciplinary approach to peri-implantitis, where there were, um, you know, internationally, you know, the... The recognize, yeah, yeah. I mean, just I can't even get the words out because until this day, I'm still mesmerized by what I experienced. Mm-hmm. But I did go up to the program organizers and I said, well, one thing was the experts kept talking about maintenance and how the dental implants must be cleaned because that's all we do, right? Is clean. Um, but the the dental implants must be cleaned by the dental hygienist. Mm-hmm. Like the patient has to be able to clean them and the dental hygienist has to be able to clean them. Well, I went up to the program organizers and I said, you know, I appreciate you for acknowledging dental hygienists, but we're here to do more than just clean. And I said, another thing is I don't understand how you have these multidisciplinary approaches, but there's no component, there's no area for the dental hygienist to come and talk to each other and um, discuss what we think the standard of care should be. So um, I made connections when I was in Chicago and I met the um the program organizers at Geislick, and they did mention that they had thoughts about putting on a program for dental hygienists. So finally, I actually kind of like learned this from you, which was just be bold and, and just go up and just, just ask because the worst thing that anybody can say is no. Mm-hmm. So finally, I just asked them and I said, listen, this is what we need. This is what I'm capable of doing. Will you allow me this platform? And Somebody said yes. That's it. That Somebody said it. yes. That so it. we've got our program going on February 9th. And like I said, it's patients first. We want to educate the dental hygiene profession so that the 
population with implant dentistry can have competent care. Yep. Um, and, and then what I'll do is I'll put the link in the show notes so that our um, listeners will be able to 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 go yeah, hopefully and tell them out. and if you've listened to this and you go make sure you let Siobhan know that you heard heard it from here now let me I have two more questions these are my last two questions for you mm-hmm. what was the last book you read thirty seconds or less you want me to answer the question in thirty seconds or less yep okay the, oh my god I'm reading three books at a time right now that's hard to answer what was, what was the last book? grow rich okay. <laughs> All right. Your next question is, what was the best career advice you've ever been given? Um, If you don't believe in yourself, believe in me because I believe in you. Mm, By Jill Grassman. How you doing, (laughs) boo-boo? Jill is amazing. Jill is amazing. All right. Well, you know what? I am so thankful for you being on here, sharing your expertise. I love your passion. (laughs) Um, And in fact, listeners, we will be putting on a workshop Mm -hmm. together Mm -hmm. um, where she's going to use her expertise in implants, my um, experience as an educator, and we're going to educate the... Your expertise as an educator. My expertise (laughs) as an educator. And we're going to educate those in academia to teach their students about what Siobhan and Melissa have learned in their careers because they are experts in implants and our students need it. And so I am psyched. All this is going to be released by the time you hear this. (laughs) It's going to be on and popping. (laughs) And if I think it's important for listeners to know that if you cannot make it to Arizona, which I think it is worthwhile Mm -hmm. because there will be, um, speakers there Mm -hmm. from across the world Mm -hmm. and it's worth sitting in this audience and listening to what what is going to be said but you'll have many other opportunities to come catch us and one of them will be through think beyond the profi yep 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 can't wait um and check out their facebook page yes dental implants uncovered study group we only allow dental hygienists if you are a dentist or anything else you will get declined all right. <laughs> well, thanks for being on the show, Siobhan. I really appreciate it. Thank you thank for sharing you. your passion. Thank and um, I can't wait to continue this conversation further. Without the martini. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Thank you.